Thank you for downloading this episode of the Football Purist Podcast. Please help by subscribing and check out footballpurist.com. Welcome, everyone, to a special episode of the Talk On Podcast. We're very much playing with house money here. Uh, Liverpool having overachieved by every objective measure in Champions League. You could also argue in Premier League this year. And now we're at a point where we get to preview the coming matchup of the semifinals versus Roma, which Liverpool really haven't been able to ponder since 08. So we're welcoming a special guest tonight. So in addition to uh, Brian Painter, who we all know on this podcast, we've got Pete Sampson, who is the chief editor and probably the beat writer of record, at least in my view, of uh, Notre Dame football and Notre Dame writ large between football and increasingly basketball, uh, depending on who's better in the year, I guess. Um, (laughs) And Pete, you've been in that role for as long as I can remember, so maybe 15 plus years uh, yeah 2001 was my first season so it's uh it's almost as long as i can remember as well nice <laughs> <laughs> got some parody on that <laughs> yeah thanks for having me on the podcast i mean it's uh liverpool like notre dame is my job but like liverpool that that gets me through a lot of a lot of weekends um and it's definitely something that i i've fallen in love with over the last 10 15 years yeah yeah and that's sort of the counterbalance if we have a bad saturday you know there might just be a good sunday following it yeah exactly exactly i've had some bad saturday mornings followed by some bad saturday afternoons as well <laughs> then those, are, those are the worst those yeah. are the worst <laughs> And last but not least, I've got uh, Brian Painter, who I mentioned earlier. Brian, how you doing? Good, Jeffrey. How are you today? Doing very well. Why? Because we're talking about what we weren't expecting to talk about. So uh, anyway, with yeah. that, with that, why don't we? Uh, yeah, totally. With that, why don't we get into a few questions? We're going to start with some questions for Pete, and then we're going to, as a roundtable, kind of get more into the Roma analysis. What do we expect going in? And then we'll finish with a score prediction and be tidy and done. So, um, Pete, that naturally pulls the focus over to you. So um, we all come to Liverpool in different ways. So you, having been a player, that happens uh, via your family or friends. And in my case, it was Brian giving me something to focus on but the Lakers as they were starting to struggle. <laughs> so uh, for you, Pete, how did you come by Liverpool? What's your story? Well, I, I played soccer growing up, um, or football for the case of this podcast, but I was a keeper and was not very good. Like sort of my career ended on the junior varsity in high school. And, but I always just like loved the sport. I remember going to see, I grew up in Michigan. So I went to see the, uh, 94 world cup match, uh, between the U S and Switzerland in the now destroyed Pontiac Silverdome. I, I just love the sport, but I mean, as you guys know, it was just hard to consume for a long time. Sure. And um, I think probably 95, I started to take an interest in Liverpool, 96 a little bit. I'm trying to think of like my first conscious memory of watching a Liverpool match might have been 
I'm sure there was one before this, but I the one that I I can actually remember watching was the uh, the Champions League final against Milan, I think in 2007. Um, so I was I came into it after Istanbul. I like I wasn't able to enjoy that as a, a supporter, but um, I think Steven Gerrard was the big draw. I mean, he was you know he was kind of a an easy uh youtube packaged player to to watch and be like wow this guy's incredible and then um i would say probably it took me about three or four years to sort of build up from passing interest to this is really serious to appointment television to it is making or breaking my weekend um and i I think probably (laughs) starting in like 2010 2011 that was like I was watching it in the press box and or you know, I, I remember like when NBC got it, that really helped. I remember like walking around the LA Coliseum, like watching um like a Liverpool, I think I don't know if it was Southampton, but I just remember Glenn Johnson headed in the winner, uh like in the <laughs> the eightieth plus minute. So it kind of became uh an addiction at that point, enough that it is well, uh, it's well known enough around the uh, Notre Dame beat that uh, on last weekend when Brian Kelly was describing this chaos drill that they do in practice. And he said, um, I asked the question and he was describing what the chaos drill was. It's just like sort of a all hell's breaking loose situation. They got to, you know, they are playing with 10 men on defense suddenly or somebody gets hurt on offense. And he said that there was one time where he went out there, it was first and goal and he took the football away and put a soccer ball down. And then he looks straight at me and goes, I know that you would really like that. Um, and I, I was like, yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Um, so yeah, that's sort of, that's my thing. I don't, I don't have a ton of hobbies because the football takes up a lot and my other kids take up a lot too. But uh, Liverpool, that's sort of it for me. Uh, on the weekends, obviously, there's a lot of Saturday games. So how do you balance uh, covering college football? And I'm, I'm sure that's a lot of hours in the film room and analysis. How, how do you balance that with uh, being you know, front and center for the Liverpool matches? I think, well, I, I hope and pray for the 7.30 starts on Saturday. I mean, those are like gold for me. You're like, because, you're, you're like one of the few people that do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so that, that makes, those are easy. The 12.30s are like, I can sort of pay attention half in the press box, half not. Um, and then the Sundays are tough, if they're, especially if they're after a night game. Like, I sort of have to bait. Like, I can't watch all of those. But um for the most part, just like I'm hoping for early Saturday starts um, or even the Monday, the occasional Monday afternoon. Those are good. But um, once you get into the, the 1230 p.m. Saturday, I'm kind of half out on that. And then the Sundays are it's kind of touch and go. It depends on how well or late the game went the day before. You had mentioned your Liverpool conscience kind of coming into the focus around 2010, 11, like your addiction rather <laughs> maturing yeah time. like it was like i remember having like a reaction to whether they won or lost opposed to like oh that was interesting i sort of enjoyed watching that just like it sort of changed and i'm not really sure what happened it may have just been sort of time um but it may have been a bad kind of like a bad time to start picking it up i guess uh because you know the benitez era i think was winding down at that point it kind of went into a dark period but i do 
I do remember, I guess, when they were in for Torres and maybe David Villa as well. Like that was like a possibility. That was sort of the first time I remember paying attention to like transfers. And I do remember when Torres showed up being excited to see like what this guy was all about. So I think that that may have been part of my like ramp it up a little bit in terms of I have to see what's going on and I want to know what's going on with every single thing. P, what's worse, transfers or recruiting? <laughs> oh, transfers are way worse. I mean, I, I think the coverage of the transfer market makes recruiting coverage Pulitzer quality. Um, I mean, it's like I read some of the transfer stuff and I'm just like this. This clearly is just like fiction. Um, whereas <laughs> at least with recruiting, you're like, I can kind of see where you're coming from with this. Maybe and you're dealing with high school kids. Yeah, the, the transfer stuff is it's just totally wild. And it took me a few years to sort of figure that out. So um, as you were explaining, 2010-11, that meant you were sort of perfectly set up for the disappointment of 13-14, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, now that was... I remember being incredibly disappointed uh, with the slip against Chelsea, and I remember watching the Palace match, um, I think, was it a week later? But I mean, I, I also remember how much damn fun that campaign was to watch. And like there were so many weekends where you I, re, I remember Arsenal at home and Everton at home. And that was it was like it was like football porn. It was so good. I mean, it was just insane how much fun they <laughs> were to watch. Um so it's like, yeah, it was incredibly, incredibly deflating and disappointing at the end, but it was also a hell of a ride. And like, I think as you get farther and farther removed from that, I can, I can think more about the hell of a ride than the way that it all sort of fell apart in the last couple of weeks. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it was certainly a, a big experience for most of us. And like for Painter and I, for sure, fifteen, sixteen even 1415 after all of that, that success, like how did you ride through that disappointment when we're pulling at Balotelli, we're having a hard time finding <laughs> the back of the net. I mean, all yeah, kinds of weird I mean, stuff's going terrible. down <laughs> there. Yeah. I think the, the end of Rogers, I remember having a hard time, like even watching the matches. Um, Cause it was, it was not enjoyable to watch. Uh, they just looked completely lost. There was no style of play. And then the manager quickly became very, very unlikable in addition to Mario Balotelli. I think that was that was the campaign where they went to Real Madrid and rested Gerard, if I'm not mistaken. So it was almost like you're excited to make the Champions League, but then like, what's the point um, if you can't even mount a, a half challenge in that? So yeah, that was, that was rough. Um, you know, and then obviously... Klopp comes in and you, you couldn't be any more excited. I mean, it, in Notre Dame terms, uh, you guys might disagree, but like that's that's like Lou Holtz in 86. Um, that's like perfect coach meets perfect uh, program or, you know, perfect manager meets perfect club. And it's been, it's just been a lot of fun to, to watch somebody connect with what the culture of the club seems to be all about. I mean, I've never been there, so I don't speak from any real authority, but you just sort of pick up from the scenes around Anfield and, you know, even before the, the Man City home, uh, home tie, it just, he seems like he's made for that kind of environment, um, in the, in the way that he was for, for Dortmund. So it's, 
it's it's fun again to watch them uh, as and as it was last year. So it's you know now you're you're sort of back to back. You feel like something is not necessarily building, but has been built, and you know now they're sort of adding on to it. Like you talk about so many parallels between Notre Dame, there are a million of them. Uh, it would seem anyway. Culture, history, success, pr- prior success, weather, absolutely, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and then you've got supporters. This, this is kind of an interesting question for us because you know we, Painter and I, not to call you out, Painter, but uh, I think we both see a clear difference between one and the other between your typical Notre Dame supporter that might have come through undergrad and has spread, you know, following graduation spread everywhere, but South Bend, less your last name is Samson, I guess. Um, <laughs> it, so the sporters are kind of distributed around the country, but then there's Liverpool that just lives for the team. Like, do you see similarities, differences between the supporter? Do you pick one or the other? Yeah, it's, I think geography plays a factor in there, but I also think like the culture of the program versus the culture of the school are, um, are, are completely different. So it's like, I think that there's a spirit of at Liverpool that is, is very, very similar to a spirit, um, the spirit of Notre Dame. Uh, but I don't think like around South Bend, has the connection to Notre Dame that, you know, certainly around Liverpool or, or, in, or in the North does um, to that club. So it, it's like, I think the history and the tradition and that type of stuff is all very, very important. But I, I think that the, the white hot passion for what's happening is, is, is very different. Um, you know, but at the same time, like I, you know, the Man City match or the Dortmund match, like, is that up there with what USC was in 2005 or what uh, Michigan was in 2014 or even USC last year? You know, maybe it is kind of similar. I think maybe I'm a bad person to ask about that because I also cover um, the Wake Forest game and the Duke game. And <laughs> so it's like, I don't think much about the atmosphere against uh, West Brom in December and that. So maybe that is similar to what Notre Dame is against lesser opponents. I'm not really sure, but I just think there's not, there's not the local connection. This is who I am. This is where I'm from at Notre Dame that there is for Liverpool. So I think, I think that is a a substantial difference. A couple of questions to follow on to that. Obviously, we couldn't be more pleased with come this season thus far. Uh, obviously, Man City running away with the title, but uh, Liverpool are on a rich vein of form, and we're heading into a Champions League semifinal. Regardless of what happens the rest of the way from this point forward, uh, where do you where do you see Liverpool going from this season into next, and then beyond, and then? And then in addition to that, where do you see them strengthening in the summer? You know, it's, I think it's a great question because you, you sort of look at Man City, Man City, and it's like literally endless resources. So do they, do they also strengthen from the team that's going to set the goals record and the points record and the wins record? And and so if, if that happens, well, then like, then what do you have if you're Liverpool? I don't, it's, 
I, I guess I just, I don't know what next year is going to look like if Man City is going to lose a little bit of that edge or Guardiola is going to like, it was going to burn down, burn out a little bit um, as he tends to, to do, you know, it's like, if that happens, I, I feel like Liverpool need an opening. And if they get the opening, then, you know, with Keita coming in, um, you know, but Chan maybe going out, if you keep certainly the front three together, but then I really think that they have, I, I am more inclined to think that they need to strengthen in midfield and attack necessarily than I would, I'd like to see more what happens with Carius. Um, but I like Trent a ton as a growing, developing prospect who yeah. already has some world-class ability. Um, I think Robertson has been an incredible buy for them who, I think is more than good enough. Uh, you know, Van Dyke is Van Dyke. And then, you know, between Matip, Lovren, Clavon, you know, Gomez may be growing into a role there because I'm not sure he has like, I don't know if he has the up and down that, that Klopp wants. Um, I, but I, but I'm terrified about what happens when Sala, Mane, or Firmino, one of, one of the three or two of the three can't go. Um, and so I feel like they need another player up there who is, I doubt anyone's going to come in at their level, but at least sort of in the, in the discussion with them. Um, and I, I do think sort of a, uh, somebody more to play in the middle of the park. Who's a box to box mid, you know, that's probably Keita, but um, I, I, you know, that, that to me, I, I guess I feel like there's so much focus on the back that, and I'm not saying they don't, they couldn't be better there. You know, if they, if they can get uh, a world-class keeper, great. But um, I do think what seems to make them go is playing defense with, or defense with their, with their front three or front five, as much as their back four. Um, and I'd like to see a little bit more depth there. Cause it's like, you're sitting there watching the second leg of the man city match and thinking like this bench is pretty bad. Um, there's just not, there's not a lot of, uh, counter moves that that clock can make here um if he needs to uh jump start the the attack so um it's again I, I think it's like if if the improvement is being better than man city i have a hard time sitting here and feeling like that's that's in the cards i mean that certainly they can be better than uh, on the better than them on the day and they have been on three of those days it's like can you be sure. better than them over 38 rounds on that that's mm-hmm. tough i mean let's take let, let, let's take your recommendations and we, we go get a, another winger slash attacker like a Lamar or Pulisic. We go get uh, another central midfielder. Cause I think we're going to need, even with Keita coming in, uh, you know, let's say Sean goes, then you're still relying on a 33 year old James Milner. Who's been fantastic this season, Yeah, but I don't know how many more miles he has in the, in those tires. Uh, to go, you know, through a 60-game season uh, like we're going to have again next year, provided we make Champions League, so on and so forth. And then, you know, the defense has been much maligned, but has been a a revelation over these last handful of months since Van Dyke's come in, but still is injury-prone. I mean, Gomez is out, Matip's out for the rest of the season. You know, they haven't had a good run of uh, form in terms of health in that center center defense so you know let's say we bring in another central defender 
which I know everybody uh, in Liverpool wants because they don't want to see Lovren there for a full season. Yeah, I mean, that's sort of... I feel like they need probably... Maybe they, the best way to look at it is like they need another attacking player with some versatility. They need another box-to-box midfielder. That's probably Keita. They need another defensive midfielder because like... I think maybe And maybe that's Wijnaldum and then you buy two more forward-thinking... Um, midfielders so Keita and somebody else and then it's if you move Gomez to central center back uh, then I think you need another sort of a fullback who maybe has some versatility as well so it's maybe they just need a little bit at all levels but I, I do like what they did last year where I feel like they started they started to sort of get to a point of like Let's stop buying 22-year-old projects and buy 24 to 25-year-old first-team players who we know are going to come in and and demand minutes and demand play. Um, you know, it's like, can you count on Lalana to come back and be something? He's getting a little bit older and certainly has missed basically this entire this entire campaign. So I don't, I don't really know. It's I, I wouldn't put anything past Klopp to also take somebody like uh, Solanke and, and, and turn him into to something better. But I, I, I still feel like he is a, um, a, a bit of a misfit for the system, but um, certainly has a lot of ability too. But maybe, like maybe he learns and spends more time watching film of Firmino all off season and then he can be something. It's um, I, I just would like to see them buy a, a, world class is kind of cliche, but like a, a guy who is somebody is going to push Robertson and or Alexander Arnold, a guy who is going to push Henderson and a guy who could complement what they already have in the top, the front three and, and play that part. Um, so it's like a little bit of everything is, is, is frankly probably what they need. And it seems like the, the, the keeper market um, is so inflated right now. I'm not, I'm not sure if there's anybody out there. I haven't really done my research beyond the two names that you hear the most about. If you mentioned the keeper, obviously we've been linked with uh, our our next opponent's keeper quite heavily uh, over the last handful of months. But um, I think Karius is he's done really well over the last couple of months. But again, I go back to last season. We saw Minule have a good run of form over the last you know two to three months of the season. And then we didn't go out and buy another keeper. So I'm kind of, I'm, I'm kind of, you know, fool me once, shame on me, fool me twice. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, I, just yeah. don't want, I just don't want, uh, I just don't want to see that, uh, that movie again. Um, if, if Carius doesn't come good, but I definitely think he's been playing exceptionally well. I think we've kept, uh, you know, what, eight clean sheets in the last, 10 games or something like that. It's, it's, it's actually been quite impressive. It's like if Liverpool, let's just imagine Liverpool go through and they win the champions league, um, you know, in the way that they've played uh, at the back over the last couple months, like, are you replacing that keeper? I don't, when you have other probably more pressing needs, I'm, I'm not sure that you are. If, if it's going to well, take 80 million to get Allison or um, I'm blanking on the other guy's name. Is that Rama? Yeah, Obaku yeah, yeah. Yeah, was like over 100. I'm not sure if that's where I would put my money. Yep. Exactly. So, yeah, and 
keeper I could talk about all day. I think it's probably the solution's probably a younger keeper, not breaking the bank on Allison or or or, or any other option for that matter. The market's so inflated, as you pointed out. So why don't we shift over into the preview of Roma? So, of course, this is a big tie. It means a lot to both clubs. Both clubs were sort of the improbable semifinalist, if you can think of it that way. But both clubs come in with a lot of positives and negatives. Uh, Liverpool, you know, from Hoffenheim, Sevilla, uh, a bit of a struggle defensively, <laughs> obviously, both draws. And Spartak, Maribor, Porto, and then City. Wow, what a last <laughs> couple of legs that was. Uh, Roma, meanwhile, uh, you know, they stunted Atletico at their home. Korobag, I'm not even sure where that's from. <laughs> I think it's out there somewhere. Um, and, and they uh, stymied Chelsea, uh, Shakhtar with a crucial away goal that sent him into Barcelona. And then who could argue with the come from behind, you start 4-1, and then you finish 3-0 at home. That, an unbelievable win for them to get them through the semis. So lots of positive and negatives of both sides. Uh, Roma haven't conceded a goal on home soil in Champions League. Liverpool, meanwhile, in the Premier League, 78 scored, 35 conceded. And this is an interesting stat. Uh, since Van Dyke came in and Karius has come good and taken the job and really bedded into it, made it his own, um, we've, had, we've had a total of 15 clean sheets this year in, in the Premier League. 10 of them have come since Van Dyke and Karius. So projects pretty well for our, our boys. Getting into the matchups, um, Pete, I guess Roma comes in with certain strengths defensively and in the midfield of the matchup. What are you looking forward to the most? I watched a little bit of the Barcelona match um, while I was down in Mexico, actually on spring break, and they were both on at the same time. And, and while I don't speak Spanish, I could tell that Allison was really, really talented. Um, so I, I am from a from a just sort of guy who enjoys the sport to a guy who enjoys potential future <laughs> Liverpool keepers. Uh, I am, I'm interested to see him, even if they say they're never, they're just not going to sell him. And then I, th this is, uh, I, I think in some ways, um, with Jekko at top, up top, I, that, that concerns me a little bit, um, just in terms of the, the burly all action, um, can do a little bit of everything striker. Um, cause I, I don't feel like they see a lot of that, um, in the Premier League. And, you know, it's certainly that's not Man City's style of play. So, uh, he is, he is incredibly talented. Um, I don't, I can't speak with a whole lot of expertise about their, their midfield, but, um, I, I certainly feel like this is, of, I don't think there's an easy draw for the semis, but there was an easiest draw and there without question that's Roma. So there, there's just a lot of reason to, to like uh, Liverpool's possibility, possibility and probability of going through. Yeah. And, and I know that everybody's going pace, painstakingly not to denigrate the competition coming in. I mean, we've been underdog certainly versus city going into this. We're the favorite overwhelmingly, 
but Painter, uh, you've got Jekko <laughs> that had not such a great time when he faced, you know, he was with Chelsea, the Premier League, now finding a lot of success with Roma. Do you worry about him versus, say, Lovren? Are we going to put Lovren on him to manage the balls in? Well, I think anytime Liverpool have faced, in at least in the last month, have faced a big <clears throat> physical uh, number nine. Uh, you can take go back to the United game against Lukaku. Uh, you know, they did the same thing. Palace did the same thing uh, with Benteke, uh, where they skipped the midfield and skipped our press up top and went right to the, you know, the target man, uh, flicked it on to fast runners uh, down the flanks uh, like Zaha and Rashford. The difference is there's no pace in Roma's wingers. From what I can tell, uh, they've got Kolarov, uh, which is one of their he's one of their wing backs slash fullbacks, the X Man City player. Uh, he's in his he's in his he's in the thir- early thirties. I, I want to say um, he's not super quick and pacey. Uh, on the other on the other side, they have Bruno Perez, um, who I don't know a lot about, so I can't really comment on how quick he is. Uh, but they're not the type that's going to get down the flanks uh, off a flick on like we've been beaten uh, a couple times in the last month. I think the real strength of Roma is their midfield. If you look at their midfield and depending on how they set up, their typical setup is a three, four, two, one. Um, but sometimes they'll go four, three, three and they'll put Schrutman, DeRossi and Nangolin. DeRossi is obviously one of the, the staples uh, on the Italian side over the last decade. Uh, he's 35 now, so I don't know how many miles he has left in the tank, but he's a fantastic footballer on his day. And Nagelin is just, you know, arguably he's been linked to every big side over the last couple seasons, uh, you know, in Europe. So their central midfield is going to be a real problem for us. And I think I think we're going to have our hands full and, and Genie and, and Ox and Henderson are going to have a lot on their hands uh, when they go up against those three. Yeah, and for Pete, as we think about just the Painter talked about the difference in formations coming in. Of course, Di Francesco is more given to have that extra midfielder and go with three in the back versus Klopp and his four that have really come into form with the three in the midfield and you've got kind of patchwork, he and he and Henderson, uh, Henderson and, and Wijnaldum, depending on who's actually healthy enough. How do you see these two formations coming together? Do you see as much of a liability in the midfield that Painter's seeing here? Yeah. I mean, I think his point about the way that they Liverpool were, were beaten at old Trafford with Lukaku and sort of flicking the ball off to, uh, to Rashford is a, is a concern. Um, I'm not sure yet, but it's like, I would like to see them get to a point where Lovren can stand up to one of these big, more bullying center forwards. Um, as far as like Liverpool going forward, I don't know how Klopp will, will play that. Um, certainly I think that he has to, has to come out and, and play to make sure that they get the upper hand in the first leg at home. Um, they they feel very uh, irrepressible at Anfield right now, and I think that will that will continue. So it's um, to wear them down. As Painter was talking about, uh, Roma's a little bit of an older side, and I think players have 
quite the stamina of uh, a James Milner type to just sort of run all day. <laughs> yeah, that's certainly true. Um, so we've discussed the midfield, we've discussed the back. Um, now let's focus on the candy of the discussion, which is of course our front three and yeah. 75. I think we're at 80 goals total. If you add up uh, both champions league and premier league this year could be actually 82. 82. Okay. So thank you. Um, You're welcome. <laughs> Roma, nowhere near that. Um, I think they scored 50 in Syria and I, you know, maybe add like, 10 to that goal total. Obviously we've got our advantages going forward and, you know, between the movement that Firmino in the middle generates f creating opportunities, Salah that always seems to be at the right place at the right time. Mane has really adjusted to the other side of the park, which was a big transition for him this year uh, versus say their back line. Um, Pete, what, who do you see? Where do you see the opportunities coming from? Do you think they'll clue in on all of Salah? them? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I see opportunities coming from all of them, um, and I, th I think that I think one of um, look, I, look, no one would be being genuine if they said that they saw Mo Salah's uh, season coming um, the way that it has. Like he looked like he was going to be a fit from the get go, but not this. Um, I think the guy that has surprised me the most is Oxley Chamberlain. I I didn't really know what they had when they bought him. Um, he felt like sort of a luxury pickup for them that maybe could be, you know, a utility player. And uh, I almost saw him as somebody who was going to get lost to uh, multiple positions, lost to like a, a victim of his own versatility the way that he was at Arsenal. He has been really, really fun to watch um, as a as sort of that, that driving midfielder who can lead to the front three and interchange a little bit. Um, so it's like the, the front three is going to get their stuff, but if you um, sort of put actually uh, Chamberlain on top of that, then it becomes really, really difficult. So I, I, that's, I think sort of a bit of, you know, X factor is a little bit of a cliche, but I just think Firmino, Mane, Salah, they, you know what you're going to get every single time out and, it's like if you want to man mark Salah and try to take him away, then that's fine. They have other ways that they can attack you. But um, I just I think it's like the front three. But then if Oxley Chamberlain is making those runs and hitting those diagonal balls behind them as well as he did uh, home against City, then uh, then I think that's where Liverpool can take it up another level. And that's when I think they really become sort of uh, title contenders, uh, um, opposed to like happy to be in the semis. Yeah. We've got another couple midfielders, uh, Milner, who has at this point the most assists ever in one league in uh, one year, I should say, in Champions League. It's a pretty impressive statistic, and he's got twelve coming in. And then you've got Ox that Peach beat mentioned on the right side. How about who's going to take that holding role? Who's going to play the six? We've got we've got of course Genie that put in a good performance versus City because Henderson couldn't play. How many times have we said that? And then you've got Henderson, the captain, uh, who will, interestingly, if we were to be fortunate enough to win Champions League, he'll be the first one to lift the trophy. So <laughs> between those two, uh, how do you see Liverpool playing it? It's going to be Henderson all day. Uh, I just don't see Klopp taking him out of the lineup. And arguably, 
when he wasn't in the lineup uh, in the first half against City, we had a really tough time getting a hold of the game. So for me, uh, and I think I said at halftime of the City game, I said, if anybody doesn't value Jordan Henderson in this side, I think I'm going to punch him in the face the next time I hear it. And I, was, <laughs> and I wasn't kidding. Uh, Sitting I, on mute. I think, yeah, I think you put um, Henderson in all day, every day, twice on Sundays, um, and then obviously twice on Tuesday and twice on Wednesday. So um, I think it's Henderson. I think Jeannie uh, is, a good, is a good backup to that situation. Um, but for me, it's Henderson. I just think he knits it together, and he's your captain. You're always going to start your captain. If Klopp leaves in him to be the captain, you got to put him on the field. Yep. And you've got, speaking of potential sixes, you've got Emre that's been out. Do we see any surprises, Pete? Do you think Emre makes it on the, on the pitch for either the first or second leg? I could see the first leg, but not the second. Um, if he's available, like I would, I guess the way I see this tie goes, going is is Liverpool they're you know uh, a 2-1 3-1 type um at home and then I think it's like your Milner Henderson combo where it's like the world's most conscientious uh, midfield duo are out there uh, <laughs> sort of protecting uh what you've already built to get you get you through so it's I I would like to see them take some risks at home um Emre is a weird player to me because I I, there are days where I was like, wow, I can, I can see stuff's happening here. And there are days where you're just like, this is awful. Um, get them out of there. So it's a, that's, that's not the kind of player that I'd like to play in a champions league final, I guess. It's like, yeah. That's my roundabout way of saying like, yeah, I, I could, I could skip Emre, uh, um, for the, he can, I, I would be happy to have him on, on, on the, on the field at West Brom and home against Stoke, but, um, the Roma match, maybe not. Yeah, that pretty much sums up Liverpool Nation's opinion of Emre, whether he's, you know, faking the back injury like Coutinho on his way out to Juve, or if he is in (laughs) fact injured, right? Um, (laughs) So why don't we finish off? This has been a great chat as always. Um, Why don't we finish with a score prediction? I think Pete, you leaked out a little bit, but for this first leg, why don't you put it in stone? I'll go go on record and say uh, 3-1. I think it will be enough to feel like they're in control, but not enough uh, like the city tie where you're just like, they have it. This is a 97% chance that they're going to go through, which certainly didn't feel like 97% chance <laughs> during the first half of the uh, <laughs> new way city match at all. No. But um, yeah, I, I do think that they will they, at home. They're, they're unstoppable uh, and they, they need to be unstoppable to, to give themselves a, a little bit of breathing room going to Roma because, you know, knock on, on wood here, but I just, I don't see how Roma could play the first half that Man City played against Liverpool in Rome next month. I just, they just don't have the world-class players all over the park like, like City do. So I think 3-1 and Liverpool should feel pretty good about where things are going, making it to Kiev. Yeah, and I, uh, I feel like there should be a Prister preview in here, like after you. <laughs> feels, <laughs> feels natural to me. <laughs> but, it's, but instead, we'll go Painter. <laughs> Painter, yeah. what do you see for this first leg? In typical Italian side fashion, they're going to come back, to, or they're going to come to Anfield, sit deep, uh, make us break it down, you know, 10 behind the ball type of, type of defending. I think they'll leave Jekko up top as the target man, try and do what, 
you know, Crystal Palace and, and Man United did so successfully try and nick that away goal and uh, keep us from, you know, making it a cricket score at home. So they actually have a chance of going uh, back to Rome with something to play for. Uh, I think if they try and come out and attack us, uh, I think you could see, you know, three, four, nothing pretty easily. Uh, I know Allison's a great keeper, but, you know, that front three, I don't care how great of a keeper you are, they're, they're going to get their goals. So I think they'll come, come play tight defensively, sit deep, try and hit us on the counter, try and hit us on set pieces with, you know, their big striker, Jekko. Uh, I think we get out of there. Uh, I think we'll, I think we'll do them three, nothing, uh, just mm. similar to city. I just don't, <clears throat> I just don't think a, we're giving up a lot of goals these days and, and B, I think the Anfield crowd is just going to be absolutely mental for this thing. Uh, and I can't stress that enough. I, I think you're going to see something similar. And then conversely, I think you're, what you're going to see back in Rome is the Roma fans are going to be and supporters are going to be absolutely crazy there too. Uh, shameless plug. I'm going to uh, Rome to see that match. But anyways, um, <laughs> mm. humble brag. Uh, yeah. Humble brag. Yeah. I'm, I'm actually absolutely made up that uh, I happen to be in Italy for work that week. And I'm like, yeah, that's happening. So, um, yeah, well, I'm covering the blue. Game this weekend, so that's what's up. <laughs> well, hey, Pete you got me up there, man. I can't, I can't yeah. top that. <laughs> uh, but I think we, I think we get the job done. Three nothing. I think we uh, go back to Rome, and again, three, you know, three goal leads are not uh, are not safe at in Roma, right? Uh, they're they're Clearly a good not. side. Clearly yeah, not. they're a good side, and they're going to give us a, a really tough match on the away leg. But I think we get out of Liverpool and Anfield. With a three zero win, heading to Kiev. I, I love both interpretations here. Uh, yeah. Are you going to Kiev? By the way, if we if we What's make it, are you, are you are you going to Kiev? Jeff and I are going. By the way, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, uh, I I definitely will not be attending the final. Um, yeah, actually, I will be in Europe this summer for a little bit for a family vacation. So I, I don't think I can do <laughs> to Russia, fly home, then turn around, fly back, go to Barcelona. <laughs> so I, I, that's not uh i'm just so, like i'm my my european experience this summer is going to be like do i have my son wear, wear his most solid kit around barcelona or just around like the barcelona team shop that's that's what i need to figure out <laughs> that's good. well so pete has picked we're going to ship at least one goal painter you're calling clean sheet i, I think i'll total it out as it's got to be three nil at home I think we'll nullify Jenko. I think uh, the wingers, just as we've been postulating, just don't have enough going forward. And I think uh, Trent and Rabo will do just fine with them on the edges. And I think we're going to see more of good Lovren in this case. So I, Lovren directed, of course, by Van Dyke and the strong communication that's formed between Karius, Van Dyke, and everyone around them, and even some arguing between that back line and Henderson, which I, I like, that's healthy. Uh, so three nil for me and we'll, we'll get into what the prediction is for the second half when the second half comes. But, uh, I think it's a pretty strong prediction going in. Um, so I just wanted to thank Pete again. Uh, so for all of our listeners and we got listeners all around the world, a lot of fans in the U S and then fans abroad as well. Anyone that has an interest in Notre Dame uh, from a football or basketball standpoint, uh, you'd be hard-pressed not to listen to Pete. 
and his team. Uh, they've done a really good job covering the team. And they've, like I said, they're sort of the beat writers of record if you're serious about the team and the sport. And there's uh, lots of detail why Saturdays go the way they go. So uh, if you want to tune into someone that can decode all of it and uh, and give you some optimism <laughs> coming, say, Sunday, that's uh, that's certainly Pete. Pete, thanks for uh, joining us today. When optimism is warranted, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're not you're not afraid Just to frankly, call it's a state not always state. warranted. <laughs> no, needs to be done. Anyway, <laughs> thanks for having me on, guys. This was great. I really I really enjoyed it. It's like I feel like I've arrived. Yeah, you know, I mean this 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 might be nudging you. About, uh, this might be nudging you into yeah, a career in yeah. this in this space. So, <laughs> just saying. <laughs> that would, you can you can tell Steve. Fun. Yes, and twenty four seven that you want to start covering Liverpool. <laughs> yeah, yes, Liverpool. Liverpool.247.com. Okay, we're we're, <laughs> we're done begging. <laughs> thanks for joining us, uh, Painter. As always, thanks thanks, thanks for joining, and uh, to all of our listeners, talk on, talk on, talk on. Talk on.